All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So today we're recording on a fine Monday, and my new guest co-host joining us today, it sounds like he and I both had quite a busy day of the week to kick things off. And uh, the lifestyle of entrepreneurship can involve Zooms and conference calls and all kinds of fun things. So, but I'm excited to bring this gentleman on because I actually already knew who he was before our mutual connection got us connected. I'm familiar with his products from his past. Uh, we'll get into some of that. And uh, he might know a little bit about health and fitness and and, and weightlifting and, and that lifestyle balance. It's always been a part of my story of success, but definitely about entrepreneurship. He's moving from one company to the next. That's part of why I brought him on today, because I like both sides of the coin that I know he's influenced. Uh, plus, since he's been around the block, he's gotten into a little bit of keynote speaking, some, uh, you know, guest appearances. Like I, I put out a book a couple of years ago. It's still weird going on and talking to people about author life or podcast life or entrepreneurial life. It's kind of fun. Uh, but a, a quick little bit more skinny here is the guy knows a little bit about kettlebells. So everybody watching on YouTube, there's a kettlebell sitting behind me. It is an Olympic class kettlebell. He'll actually help you explain that because he founded a kettlebell company and a multi-million dollar success story there, people. And then now he's kind of shifting into something a little bit more green, a little bit more natural. And uh, so I'll go ahead and cut to the chase. You ever hear of Kettlebell Kings to some of my listeners? I know they have. And now there's a new brand we're talking about today as well called Life Grows Green. So without further ado, the CEO, the founder of Kettlebell Kings himself, and now this new company, Life Grows Green, Chad Price, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So you've been around the block. <laughs> so, way, out there. It, yeah, no, I have. <laughs> it, it, it feels kind of good because um, I think I've been around the block, but a lot of times I still get uh, treated like I'm, you know, I'm just starting. So it's, it's, it's interesting whenever I can tell someone like, hey, you know, I've actually owned the company for 10 plus years and, you know, I've been through an acquisition. It's kind of enjoyable at this point in my career. Yeah, let's pause on that real quick. How old were you when you launched Kettlebell Kings? Um, 26. Yeah, okay. 26. Yeah. Dude, that's scary. And, and I started, <laughs> and I mean, that's when I would say, you know, it was officially started. I probably started talking about it and uh, talking, really talking with friends about starting our own company, probably 24, 25, but hmm. getting serious uh, around, yeah, 26 when we officially started. It, it's it's exciting because like uh, for our listeners, a lot of people, I don't get into the audience of this show, but when I founded this, I, I'm a Gen Xer. If that still exists, I don't know. There's X's and Y's and they blend together. I know, I think X absorbed the Y. Uh, I don't know if you ever gotten into some of the demographics on it. It's super fun. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, but I was like, all right, you know, let me pass on messaging from great co-hosts like you to those next generations to inspire, to motivate, right? So even if you're not a health influencer or choosing a healthy lifestyle yet, uh, maybe you know a little bit of something about business. And I love inspiring that entrepreneurial spirit because I never knew I wanted to become an entrepreneur years ago. I was a farm kid turned corporate monkey, then gave all that up to go fight wildfires in the Western US with the federal government in my 30s. And then everybody thought I was a crazy person. And this was after I paid to go back to school on nights and weekends, think I needed to have a BS degree, paid for that myself. Uh, and now fast forward to today, I work for myself. I have my own company. My wife has her own company and I'll never go back to the corporate life ever again. Uh, do you have any, some, any alignment on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like my story. You know, I think 
I think anyone who, you know, is an entrepreneur kind of has that general interest in figuring out where you want to go in life and you're willing to put yourself in different circumstances to see, to see where you fit. So like you mentioning like, oh, you know, I was uh, uh, fighting wildfires, you know, I tell people I started a nail salon at the same time I opened Kettlebell Kings and people are like, a nail salon and kettlebells. And it's like, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, that it made sense at the time. And, you know, that that's what worked for me. So. Uh, I, I think that's just the entrepreneur spirit to, you know, get out there and do anything, kind of um, be busy doing something and you'll, you'll find your way as you go along. You know, I like your point there because there's this, some people call the word festering a negative word, right? <laughs> so maybe we go with something like permeating, right? Or something yeah. along those lines where it's like, there's something bubbling up. There's something that needs to get out. It needs to be exercised. Uh, not just our, obviously you and I both care about health and fitness. So that's part of this, uh, this, this show today too, right? Is important. Move the body, right? Find something that motivates you or inspires you enough to go keep doing it. And there's that, that's that permeation. You don't know where it's going to take you. Like I didn't, I thought I was going to become obsessed with CrossFit for years, right? That's a brand, ladies and gentlemen, again, as a reminder, that's just a brand name. It's a very famous brand name now, but it's a brand name of a form of fitness called functional fitness. Kettlebells is a huge component in the functional fitness world, right? Uh, were you in that back when you've created Kettlebell Kings or was it just, how did you stumble across that? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you, that you mentioned that after I, you know, I, st I played college football and, you know, I played somewhat a little bit after college. So after I kind of quote unquote hung my cleats up, um, I was looking for a more kind of functional fitness workout routine for myself. And going to gyms and, you know, 24-hour fitness, uh, lifetime fitness, th these things felt more like um, social scenes and they felt like uh, a, a place to work out at the time. And so I really got into home fitness and just trying to find, you know, it's like I have to have my own routine that I can rely on. You know, I don't I don't always have the convenience of going to a location. And Kettlebell just was one of those things I explored during that journey. At the same time, we were looking to start our own business and there was no really there was no brand that was kind of bringing, let's say, a cool factor or a, a, um, the community together. Everyone was kind of segmented and in their own kind of section. The kettlebell wasn't looked at just like a complete health and wellness tool. And so we thought if we could really turn that into, you know, an urban brand and something that was more of a lifestyle uh, that people could really evolve around that. And, and it ended up working out pretty well for us. Well, I like your points on that. It's true, right? The, the CrossFit world. Um it's it, there's years now of athletes having to speak up and explain to people or even coaches. I was a coach. I was a trainer. And cause I came, I was a spinning instructor years ago for probably five, six years. I ran, I ran that crazy five thirty AM, 6 AM time slot, you know, before I went and had my successful corporate gig, right? People are like, wait, so why are you doing that? I'm like, well, that's like my morning coffee. I just go yep. up and run a biceps, uh, high intensity <laughs> class, you know, for about an hour, grab a yeah. shower at the gym, suit yeah. up and off I go. And I was a yeah. high performer and people were like, you're crazy. I was like, well, crazy people do crazy, successful things. Yeah. Right. I mean, Hey, you're like 26. It's like, Hmm, let's, 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 let's figure out this kettlebell game. And let's let's do some nails. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Let's, let's see where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like and either 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 one or both are going to be successful, and one or both, hopefully both, make me money, or at least one can fuel the other. That's the other fun thing of running multiple businesses is one can go. stabilize while the other one grows and need, needs more time to permeate and grow or whatever. So, like I was thinking, I was like, yeah. was the nail salon kind of like your cash flow? 
For sure. I mean, okay. if you think about it, you know, a, a nail salon, you can get cash flow within the first month. Um, that's not oh, wow. happening with a kettlebell company. So, you know, if you start a kettlebell <laughs> company, you're talking about years before you can uh, before you can take significant cash from the company just because it's such an inventory heavy company. You know, mm. you're every single dollar that you have goes back into purchasing inventory and keeping a stock of inventory for uh, growing, you know, growing demand is just going to require more and more capital. So there's really no such thing as looking at something that's so inventory based uh, as a as a cash flow. A lot over. Yeah. Yeah. The nail salon allowed me to, to do that, but it also allowed me to learn more about building communities, you know, targeting nationally versus targeting kind of hyper hyper uh, focused and, you know, geographically targeting different different areas, different demographics. It was completely different graphic demographics from trying to get, you know, nail artists and versus, versus trying to sell kettlebell equipment. Um, but even working with employees, you know, uh, it, it kind of fostered an, an easy way, an easier way for me to actually practice talking to people who may, may not necessarily come or share my background and actually seeing their team perform better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I take that kind of stuff as a personal challenge. So whether it was, you know, nails or football or kettlebells, it really doesn't matter if I can get the team function the way I needed to, to perform. Yeah. I've, I've listened to so many, I, I'm a, I travel a lot for business. So I, I'm just a podcast or audio book fiend in my free time. I don't have an FM radio station booked in my car. I mean, uh, and all of our cars are newer. So we have all this direct, you know, Apple CarPlay sync up everything else. Um, I mean, clearly we have some first world problems here in the yeah. USA. Uh, but I, I always tell people, if you're a road warrior, you have no excuse f- to not embrace windshield university, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I like that, yeah. right? You got 20, 30 minutes commute to your jobby job yeah. or me. Uh, if it's only a state or so away, I just road trip it to go meet with these CEIOs that I consult with. Cause I'm like, yeah, I can hop on a plane, but I'm like, okay, well, I'll, or I just hop in the car and I soak up all that knowledge. It's yeah. fun. And, and, so you got a kick out of windshield university, but let's, let's pause on that importance of learning. I mean, you, you just said like, Hey man, I don't know where the nail salon's going to go. I know I can get a turnkey cash thing going on. I know I got to put in the reps and figure out this whole camaraderie component. You come from football. So you understand the importance of teamwork and communication within a team. I think most of the audiobooks I've listened to podcasts I've listened to that are on entrepreneurship, anybody who has a health and fitness background hints at the importance that if you can commit to a sport, more often than not, high-performing athletes become great entrepreneurs. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I was telling someone earlier, I think one of the, the opportunities sports give you is you get to play all those battles out kind of uh, in a simulated way that, that life gives you. So, you know, whether that's practice or lifting or the actual games and championships, you kind of get different levels of intensity of battles and you get to win and lose them. And I think that hardens you and prepares you for for leading a team through through obstacles, especially the unseen ones. You know, you start entrepreneurship, you never know exactly what every problem is going to be. And a lot of the problems that come along just take, you know, will, perseverance and grit to get through. If you have the right mindset, you know, you can make it through. I like that because it's actually, I'm going to screen share real quick for the YouTube people. The uh, your, your main site, you, uh, chadprice.com. Uh, I like it right in your my story right here. You call it preparing for battle. So clearly, and you just, I heard you say battles now, so I want to bring that up quick and tie it together. So again, people, chadprice.com. So why, where did that come from? Because I've heard that term tossed around a lot, but usually there's a backstory. If you're going to incorporate that into your personal brand. 
So I like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when you're preparing for battle, I think you take a certain level of intensity when you think of the term battle, you know, it, 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 you know, insinuates that there might be some danger that you're, you're putting yourself in it. You know, there's, there's a risk that you're going to be taken. Um, but it's, it's almost like a necessary requirement for, for progress. So if you know a battle is to come, you will do everything you can to get yourself mentally, physically prepared, you know, you'll get your team prepared for it. And I think that's the way you should look at entrepreneurship is, you know, you are preparing for a journey of, of obstacles. There will be things that try to prevent your goals from happening. There will be unforeseen things that you can't, uh, you can't design, you know, plays for. You can't, you can't always kind of have the answers for everything. You just have to go in knowing that you're going to take on whatever comes. And sports gives you such a, uh, a foundation of doing that over and over and over. I mean, I went to I went to Rice, so we weren't the most winningest team, and you know we we lost quite a few battles, if you will. But those lessons are still with me. There's not a you know there's not a single game that I didn't have some lesson that I learned, um, even in losses. Yeah, I uh, dare, dare I take a risk because uh, I edit nothing in this show. Dare I take a risk and mention the, the past couple of years of uh, we're not parents, we're we're, we're dog parents. My wife and I were like, yeah, that's, we brought us, we realized we're the cool aunts and uncles, but the whole trophy for everybody thing. I'm sorry. I know it's a, I know it's a polarized subject. I'm just going to hint at that. I was like, sorry, a trophy for everybody never taught me anything as a kid. So, and I know, I don't know if that's something you want to hit on, but you hinted earlier in the show and some of your background is that, that urban connection, right? The community connection. And obviously you come from a minority background, right? Now me, I was just looked at as the poor redneck uh, uh, farm kid because I grew up on a farm shoveling crap for a living and and taking care of, you know, other beings and making sure they survived and then provided food to people's tables and yada, yada, yada. So it's like that was my childhood. So I learned how to work very, very hard. But kids, kids not understanding that just looked at you as the the poor farm kid who might smell funny once in a while. <laughs> so I was like, well, whatever, it's my history. Like when I was in the corporate world, you were hinting at learning to manage people and build teams and stuff, right? So I will say some of the companies I work with did a great job building some of my foundation, right? They, they got rid of our managerial titles at one of my companies and they sent us off with a consulting company for a week or two down in Nashville, Tennessee. And they said, you, you got to get fully immersed in this coaching concept. Don't, don't manage people. You need to lead them, right? You need to get to know them each because I was managing 20, 30 person teams as a middle level manager back then. And they got rid of them. They stripped the titles out. They said, nope, you're going to become a coach. You're going to learn the importance of building a team, having the team work together cohesively, support each other. And these are people from all walks of life. I had young mothers with uh, crappy dads that disappeared, single income families. I had I had probably had six or seven uh, women on my team that were uh, of the Puerto Rican background. Man, those ladies taught me how to cook. Uh, we would do potluck lunches and stuff like that just to try to like, bring that community together. And that's where I'm kind of aligning here is this, this alignment. I'm like, I I guarantee you none of those people wanted with their kids. I don't think they ever would have given them like, Hey, here's a free trophy. Like, no, they worked hard to get into this company, to build a living, to get it, build a better life for their families and their future. And again, not, not to lay forever on that free trophy concept, but there's that thing of you hint to that you're going to lose. It's okay. Yeah. That's where the pain comes from. That's what we learn from. That's entrepreneurship. If you're not ready to just crash and burn, which I have, and feel that pain and build back up, come back stronger and build a yeah. better company or a better team. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that with your head right now? I mean, 
I'm one of those people that, you know, I, I don't like to hurt people's feelings, but there, there always are going to be winners and losers. You know, there's no such thing as, as they're, they're not being winners and losers. Yeah. Yes, we can live in a better society than we did, you know, 100 years ago and 100 years before that. And we should be striving to do that. But even in those societies, there's still going to be people who do better and people who do worse. Um, and striving to do good is something that, you know, I think everyone should do. I've had hardships in my life where I wasn't doing good. So, you know, maybe from someone else's perspective, it looks like everything's okay, but it's, it hasn't always been okay. Those things help build me and build the character that I have to get through problems that are, that are, that I deal with today. If I didn't go through those losses, there would be problems that would break me today. And I, I think a lot of people just miss that entire idea because they haven't, they haven't lost enough. They haven't mm -hmm. taken so many battles that they realize that no matter how many times I lose them, I'm, I'm still here. I can, I'm still breathing. I can get back up. I can start over if I have to. I can start from negative if I have to. Um, there's nothing that's preventing me uh, from continuing the journey, even with a lot. I like that point of you. You just you just gave a huge segue there. It's like I, I'm I'm prepared. I'm ready to start even from a negative, right? I don't even people think about that. Yes, that is totally possible. More now than ever, I think in life with the growth of technology, is that you could take such a huge leap, such a huge risk, or that that next battle you're hitting that it is so impactful and so risky. And let's say you can't come out of that as a winner, you could end up further behind possibly from a financial aspect, but then all of that knowledge and, and the lessons you're learning from that hardship technically should allow you to come back even stronger, faster, better, with a better solution down the road. I like to look at it that way. A lot of people at the time when they're going through that battle or that loss, you can't see it. I couldn't see it either. Yeah. But then it's like, I put that in my book too. I told people like, oh, you know what? I thought a degree was the answer. So I was like, all right, I want to be the first person in my family, right? I was like, I'm gonna, what if I become an entrepreneur? I got that BS degree to follow up. And I did a bachelor of science, dual major, marketing and psychology. The only thing I use to this day is the psychology. I do, I do back up and support science. My wife, she's a large animal horse doctor and a doctor of chiropractic. You can't medically do what she does without that advanced education. Yeah. Get that. The psychology, I love the psychology, the mindset component, all of that stuff. But the business stuff, I'm a sales and marketing consultant. I'm a branding expert. All of that was putting in the reps. That was yep. figuring it out and working with people and taking jobs on that didn't pay crap. <laughs> yep. But you were excited to work with that brand and help them build it into something. And then it becomes a great success story. But those were like, okay, I'm taking a loss. All this time I'm putting in, if you put a dollar value on your time, most, most startup entrepreneurs, right? You're not, you're, you're in the negative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When people ask, you know, what, what do you, you know, what, what do you wish you could have done different? You know, I think one of the things a lot of people wish they could do different is figure out a way to structure the company so they can compensate themselves or compensate the, the investment group, the ownership group, however you want to look at that. And so for us, you know, we didn't take a single dollar from the company for the first five years. And, mm. That's, you know, that's a lot of time and effort. That's more than a full-time job free for, you know, multiple people. Um, and that experience is what gives, you know, the foundation for my next venture. So when, you know, when I say starting from a negative, it, it doesn't matter because that can't be taken away from me. That, that experience and the knowledge and um, the amount of problems that I've already overcome and lost to and overcome them, you know, in the second or the third attempt, there's no such thing as a problem that, 
a human can overcome that I can overcome at, at this point. And you've kind of proven that to yourself when you go through the reps. Nice. Well, and obviously your mantra, the preparing for battle, which I just, I got stuck on because I just love it. You know, I mean, hell, we're, we're talking here today and I've got, you know, the Operation Underground Railroad branded hat on because they just sent me some swag from a big donation we did. And then I'm wearing a work hard shirt from from Rogue yeah. Fitness because I was like, I don't care if it was from Rogue. I just really liked the shirt. I was like, yeah. I, I geek out about this stuff because sometimes people need that sim- symbolism, whether for it be sure. team teamwork, whether it be just being reminded about that. And, and that's what I love about your backstory. It's like, okay, dude. Yeah. So what I was, I was, I, I am a minority. Okay. I started this company. I started that company. Now I'm selling this company. Now I'm starting another company. It's like, you're proving to people that, and I love tying this back to fitness. We always coach people and train people that, okay, it's not all about the, the weight you're, you're scaling up, right? Like you don't need, this is not one of the heaviest kettlebells you guys make, right? It is, there's many tiers. Like, so sometimes you got to start with that form and that technique. Right. And then you got to put the reps in. I love saying that. Just put the reps in in life. And that applies to business. You have to put the reps in, but then keep learning from those repetitions until you could build that consistency. So if and when another success happens, awesome. But if and when a speed bump hits, it's like, okay, it's a speed bump. It's not like I'm slamming into a wall. I'm just going to work my way over that and then try and uh, mitigate and minimize those speed bumps down the road. So that preparing for battle, I love the mantra because a lot of people, they're afraid to even prepare for battle. So sure. they're not even anywhere near even getting into the battle because they got this paralysis by analysis. You got this procrastination. And I take that preparing for battle from me. And I was like, okay, cool. That's okay. All right. So maybe in the beginning, this is years ago. Okay. Maybe I need to listen to some audio books. Maybe I need to get into a mastermind group. Maybe I need to surround people in my local community that have already started putting in some of those reps, right? Start hearing some of those stories. That's what I'm getting out of you is, oh no, the battle's coming. All right, we're gonna we're we're in it, we're in it to win it. All right, but now what are we gonna do to put in the reps? Ergo, prepare for battle. That's what I'm getting out of that mantra because I know you're I know you're putting this into a book. I think at, at some point. So. No, it's it's a, it's in, yeah, it's in the book now, and it's actually perfect timing because today's the first day that you can actually purchase it. It was for pre order, but you can actually purchase it today. So it's uh, okay. So be- I was wondering where we were at in the time <laughs> in the calendar. So I figured I'd let you clarify that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's officially going to be released on the twenty third. Um, but and what we're saying, can- ladies and gentlemen, is we're recording this because I don't always time tape stuff because I'm gonna I'm gonna move you up, Chad, in the release because I have so many shows in the tank already. But I want to try and help support your launch because I know from I launching a book, it's. <laughs> You, you need the upswing. Yeah, uh, so we're, we're recording this on Monday, August 21st. You're saying it's fully sh- it's shipping by the 23rd, like in a couple days? Correct. Yeah. So you okay. can actually purchase it now and it'll, gotcha. it'll get to you by 23rd, 24th. I think I actually just, uh, I purchased my quote unquote official copy earlier today. So isn't that fun buying your own book? Um, it, it's interesting. It yeah. It, it, Amazon. Yeah, it, yeah. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. and it I mean, even this experience, you know, we talk about preparing for battle. I, you know, I've, this is my first book. This is my debut book. So, you know, there were, <laughs> there were things that I didn't even know I needed to prepare for my, for myself to do this, but, you know, I had a small team that I put together, worked with my, uh, with my editor quite a bit to, to make sure I was trying to create something that people actually could digest. So, you know, it's not just me saying it the way I want to say it, but I'm trying to say everything in a way that's easily digestible and something that builds a lot of, um, confidence and inspiration in people who are thinking about starting their own business. I think, you know, it's more about getting them the right mindset for the challenges of head than, you know, thinking that you can study or cram all the information or memorize all the information necessary to be an entrepreneur. I think it's, uh, let's let's pause on that. There's no memorization. 
This is exactly. yeah. again. I'm not. I'm not going to dive into another polarized subject of modern day education here in this country. You can laugh. I'll laugh with you because it's like, dude, blatant memorization. All it does is prove that you can memorize something. Doesn't yeah. mean you understand it, comprehend it, or know how to follow through and execute on it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> and and I mean, and that's one of the big things that you know. I think previous to let's say the digital era um, and social media and things like that. I don't think people really understood that concept well enough that memorization is not necessarily intelligence and studying ahead of the problem that you can't foresee is not really going to help you with those problems, but you can get your mind in shape and have a kind of a self-learning mindset that where you're prepared to take on any battle and you're prepared to put in whatever efforts necessary to overcome that challenge. So just being self-aware enough to know that there will be challenges that you're going to have to take on that there's no way for you to have memorized quote unquote, the, the information prior to that is it's going to be learning on the job type of type of experience. Yeah. Oh, here's a good segue for you. Corporate guy goes and tries to decide, Oh, I'm going to go serve in public service as a wildland firefighter with the U S forest service. One, I was born in Jersey and I grew up in Pennsylvania. There's no wildfires here. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, okay, I, like I go West and people are like, are you from Philadelphia? And I was like, no, I live like over an hour north of there. Why? Like, oh, you sound like you're from Philadelphia. I was like, okay. You know, there's always that generalization. Anyway, we had to blatantly memorize what's called 10s and 19s. If you didn't know the fire orders, uh, there's 10, a bracket of 10 subjects and, and nine, nine subjects. You're 10 and 10 and 9. There's 19 things you had to have perfectly memorized or you're doing a ton of push-ups or other yep. things to abuse you because they wanted it drilled into you. Yeah. Because these 10s and 9s and the 19s, these are your safety protocols. This is the thing that keeps you and your crew alive, right? All of these things. I, I don't have all of them perfectly memorized anymore because I was over a decade ago. But I never will forget that. So there's that, yeah. okay, you want me to memorize this or else you're going to make me suffer with a whole lot of push-ups. And there was a whole lot of push-ups. And I, I get that part. But then until you get into a fire, you're hiking into the mountains. Because I served on one of the elite hotshot crews. There's only 110 of them in the nation. Uh, like they send us into the, the big stuff you see on the news, you know. Yeah. And until you're putting that sweat equity in, and then you're like, okay, we would start in April. But then we were done by the end of September with my crew. I was based out of Arizona. And uh, you would hit this period that all the experienced guys in the crew would call dirty August. I'm like, what's dirty August? They said, because you got a month left and you're just, you're just in the dirt. I mean, you're just burnout. Yeah. You've been doing 16 hour shifts for months. You do it for two weeks straight sometimes with no days off. You're camping under the stars. You don't shower for a week or two. You could read about it. Yeah. Right. But until yeah. you go through it, you're like, oh. And then I got people back east to like, you having fun? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, absolutely, totally. Yeah, this is epic. Uh, best decision ever. Gave up that that career without a college uh, without a college degree. I was making like eighty grand a year without a degree. And I was like, my, all my colleagues were like, what are you doing, dude? You just finished a degree. You're gonna get this huge bump and blah blah blah. And I'm like, nah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's like you don't know until you stick yourself into it. Like when you you're a kid, you're like, oh, I'm gonna get into football. I love sports. You don't know what the advanced level uh, training they're going to run you through, right? The, the, the plays they're going to teach you until you are there working with your team, working with your coaches to learn all of that. You could read the books all you want, but if you're sitting there reading about it and never actually taking a step into it, you don't know. So I, yeah. I love that connection. I, did, I didn't play football until 
my eighth grade year. Um, so most of my friends, I played every other sport. So, I, you know, I grew up playing baseball, soccer, tennis, basketball, track, every sport. You know, I, I played select uh, basketball and baseball. So I traveled year round with select teams. And when I started playing let's, football. Let's pause in a real quick. What's a select team? A select team is like a I team, play baseball, uh, but I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's like a traveling team. So you know, you'll have like your recreational leagues that are based in each city or each county, and then you'll take the best players from those different teams and you put those together and you'll form like a traveling team. So you'll see them, you know, going to uh, AAU type tournaments. It was something. It was called something else back in back, okay. back then, but they're basically tournaments that you can play in at the highest level when you're that age. So. This you know, is like uh, recreational and then you have, let, let's say you're more competitive. Uh, yeah. Okay. So at the pro level end of NFL season, it's the, um, they, they go to Hawaii, I think. And they always play every, all the best players, all the teams are all, what is that? Is, is that that's the like the, pro, that's like the pro bowl. Right. Um, the pro bowl. Is it similar this, to that? It, this for would kids? be like, yeah, when you're a kid, it's not even really a pro bowl. This is like when you're playing, um, when you're a kid and you're playing, it's, it's mainly the kids that are in your area who you're playing with. So mm-hmm. you don't really have a choice who you play with. Right. And then if you want to play in the most competitive leagues, you form a team and then there are tournaments that are sponsored by major cool. corporations and things like that. So like when I was in very young, five to even 10 years old, I was traveling pretty much every weekend going to either a baseball tournament or a basketball tournament in another city with a group of individuals from my area who was like kind of like an all-star team. The best of the best. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Because again, right there, we talk on today's uh, podcast here, right? You're surrounding yourself with people that are better than you or at your level. Yeah. You're all going to grow together and hopefully become even more competitive, right? Be more or more successful or or win, a few, win or lose a few games, right? Yeah, well, right? We, we, we were pretty good. But my, the point that I was making was I had already had a relationship with all these people. But I just never played football. Mm. So when I first started playing football, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was an I was an athlete, and I you know had I knew I could play any sport that the rest of these these guys were playing because I played other sports with them. Cool. But I didn't know what I was doing. And one of my first practices, I got completely knocked out. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember just putting my body in front of one of the biggest guys on our team because I didn't know how to make a tackle at the time, and it was on the goal line. So it was like, hey, don't let him get through here. I just were you playing on the line or you decided to I, stick yourself on the line? No, I was, I was playing linebacker. Okay. You, know? you were a linebacker. Okay. So, yeah, right. so it was like, it was like, you know, fill the hole, the ultimate, like, you know, but they didn't tell you how to take the hit. No, I didn't have enough experience at the time. So me just being, you know, type of guy that just runs in, I ran in and completely knocked myself unconscious. Mm-hmm. And that's still, that lesson stays with me to this day. So I like, I referenced that moment. I remember waking up and being like, okay, this is something that's a lot more serious than the other sports I've been playing, you know? Like oh yeah. We have I, another I, human I, being coming at you full yeah, speed. And-, <laughs> and and it made me, it honestly, it's scary and it's sad to, to say this to some people, but it made me fall in love with the sport even more because I realized that was part of the game. The, mm. that, that was part of the strategy that you, that could happen. So you had to position yourself and put yourself and prepare yourself for that type of impact potentially, or avoid that type of impact. You know, that was part of the strategy. And I, I think that's the closest that we actually get to, you know, combat, combat sports or physical sports like that. I think it's the closest we actually get to the kind of real world consequences for some of our decisions. Yeah, I never got to that level like you. I mean, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely get, I gave myself a taste of some flag football, uh, but that was, I was better at like halfback or something like that. I was definitely not. I was never a big enough guy. I mean, I was a bouncer years ago. I think the heaviest I got up to 
I'm just under 6'4", and I was like like 205. Like, I'm rolling right now at like 185, 190. That's my fire. My firefighting weight was like 190, 195. I'd throw a few extra pounds on because like sweating all summer long. You, everybody drops weight while fighting fire. It's, it's inevitable. But like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. again, flag football, you're not taking the hits the same way. They're, you're, technically, you're not supposed to be getting blasted. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, putting yourself in the ring, so to speak. You have to go through these. That's why, you know, not, not to make a weird connection, but for me, it makes sense. I live in Allentown, Pennsylvania now. Right next door is the uh, historic city of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. If you know the, the backstory of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson went to school here. So when he wasn't in Hawaii and then wherever he ended up, he spent, he played football here in, in our okay. local area. So, and even though he never made it pro, and I know he talks about that in his backstory, like he's never left. I mean, obviously now he runs the XFL and everything else. So mm -hmm. he never let football leave his world. He's played in movies and stuff like that. You could tell he just passionately loves football and the lessons that are learned from that. And yeah. I could tell you're kind of the same way, right? It's like, you can't unlearn those things For and sure. that passion and that drive. So, well, on that note, you took taking the hits for years, right? You, you took enough hits to build Kettlebell Kings up to be sold. So congratulations. Um, I'm sure that's a hell of an educational process too. I make that joke real quick to people all the time. Would you agree with this statement that there's two ways to build a company, at least here in the USA? You're either going to build it as a legacy company that's going to be passed down through your family or maybe your employees, uh, or you're building it to be sold. Is it, yeah. it, is it really that simple? What are your thoughts? I think if you're really if you're trying to build a company, then yes, you know I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that they have a company when they really just kind of built themselves a job, if you will. Um, but if you're trying to build a company, I think those are the two paths, and you don't always know those paths when you start. You know, when when we started, we didn't really know if we were going if we were doing this forever or if we were doing this to sell. Um, but at a certain point, when you have traction and you have, you know, a following, I think you can make that decision and it goes into your strategy at that point. So maybe I would say five, six years in, once we really knew, okay, this is something that could either provide a good lifestyle for us or could someone else might be interested in. That's more of the business conversations that you're allowed to have once you kind of break that threshold. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like my wife, she's built, she's been, she's a co-founder of her veterinary practice. I told her like not once I met her, I said, listen, let's keep building this up. Let's get you a couple more doctors. Let's get you freed up. And then if you eventually just get burned out, like a lot of, a lot of veterinary doctors do, I found out psychologically, it's a very high stress career. Uh, there, it does have a high suicidal rate. Uh, it's up there in the top five. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. So I said, let's build the brand. Let's build the client base. Let's build the business. And then if you want out and your co-founder wants out, sell the company. Right, because yeah. it's not dependent on you. You've now yeah. built a team of doctors and you can eventually free yourself. Now me, I didn't want to build a company like that. I'm like, oh, listen, I'm happy to be independent. I have a marketing company. I'm a sales consultant, right? I became an author, I'm a podcaster. I'm doing things on my own. I'm not selling Scott Mulvaney, right? Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. my clients, I sell Scott Mulvaney to them, but I mean, I'm not gonna sell Scott Mulvaney yeah. Incorporated or whatever, right? So that's a great clarifier. Look, I'm glad you did that. So. Let's let's fast forward now. So selling a company, right? You clearly built a strong brand. It is a company that can be sold. Now you got a new company, right? So you got life grows green. Right. Where did that come from? Because let's let's just pause on that here in Pennsylvania. And ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about hemp, right? So we have now legalized the more 
druggish part of that conversation, right? The 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 weed, if you, as people like to say, or marijuana. The, yeah, the weed, yeah. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> but people forget that hemp yeah. is in the circle of life there, right? Yeah. So you have CBD and you got weed or marijuana, and then you have hemp. People forget, like, hemp is used in so many products. It's not even funny. Clothing now. Actually, I'm looking at a brand of clothing just for fun. Um, so then I'm hearing, uh, you ever hear the comedian J.P. Sears? Uh, no, that's not. I'm not familiar. He's actually a pretty ripped out, dude. He's a uh, long reddish hair. Uh, he just he moved out of California, went to Texas, like a lot of people have. A whole different uh, podcast for that. But yeah. he all of a sudden I started seeing him push his own CBD oil, and I'm like, okay. Uh, now I never expected him to support that, but he now is. Now granted, it's CBD. It doesn't have the THC. But then I just had somebody else from another podcasting agency, not the one from you, that got you and I connected, a different one. And there's a woman they're trying to have me bring on who apparently has dug into your world and has created her own as well. But she likes to talk about the importance of understanding the industry and the the purity risks and stuff like that. So as somebody like you, hey, you have lifegrowsgreen.com, you've got CBD oil. What are your, let's just kick right into that. There is, I already know this, there is a quality risk, right? You don't know where stuff's coming from. Has it been cut? Has it not? Is it in pharmaceutical grade facilities? Do you want to hit on any of that just to get into the subject? <laughs> sure. Um, you know, it, it's challenging, right? Like you, anytime that you take an industry that's been, let's say gray or underground or kind of forced to be in that situation for so long, you know, you're, you're going to have, um, figures that don't follow the rules or don't follow proper business structures. So then those stories get, you know, hyper uh, socialized and posted everywhere. And that becomes the kind of stigma that the industry has to work against. Hmm. But there's, there's people in the industry who are just like any other industry and look at it like any other businesses like I do is, you know, I, I don't want to give someone something that's cut from somewhere else. So you try to put as many steps as you can in place to prevent people from doing that. In lab analysis is the number one place that starts. So, you know, you basically you're doing batch and that lab analysis on every single batch that you get. And then you're also doing random spot checks. And between doing that and working with a manufacturer who has more than just one client is very hard if you are dealing with companies. And, you know, I think that's where kind of building a brand really helps you in these situations. If you're just going out and you're price shopping, for the cheapest CBD oil, you you are taking a risk. But if you're working with a company that has processes in place and that you can kind of verify, call, quality check those processes, that's the best bet in trying to get the most uh, the best product. And you know, I think that's that's just the way the industry is going to be for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that we're near a point where you can just go and kind of buy it wholesale at this cheapest price and, and make sure that you're start, you're still getting the same quality. Yeah. And I can speak a little bit to this because I've 10 years ago, I fell into the HVAC industry, the heating, ventilation, air conditioning, right? Everything in the first world uh, that we take for granted, people want cold air in the summer, hot air in the winter, you know, th that type of thing. And never expected until th this last few years. Now, obviously this whole world of, growing plants and purity and testing. And then people don't realize what it takes from behind the scenes that these HVAC companies have to put into place to meet these standards. If, big if, as you already clarified here, if there's a standard that they care about, 
Yeah. So, for example, New Jersey and New York recently in the past year or so legalized the, you know, the recreational stuff, the THC stuff. So, but the, the, the standards should still be the same across the board, right? You want to have clean air in the facility. You have to have a high infiltration process. You have to have moisture management. You got to make sure there's no growth, right? Uh, mold, fungus, bacteria, all these things. Like, like one of my, one of my clients' clients is a indoor air quality company, they make all the high end UV equipment and and ionization technology and filtration and all the stuff that these contractors will then, you know, support a specification for building and put into place. So again, I'm just mentioning just the behind the scenes stuff, people don't realize that if you want to be able to grow stuff in New Jersey to meet those new requirements, you have to meet all of these standards that have already been designed by an engineer and an architect and all those types of guys. So and again, you're at the you're at the tail end of it. So people don't realize yeah. there is a lot of caring and there is a lot of money being spent to hit these, what should be considered at bare minimum standards, but not every company cares. And, yeah. and it's exciting it's, to see this type of commitment. Yeah, and I think that's the issue. Like you say, not, not every company cares and the companies that don't care, unfortunately, you know, they get the profits early on and they get um, also the bad stories that come out about them. So. Um, you know, any story that you've seen, uh, you know, I'm sure there were people who were saying, hey, this company was too good to be true, or you could you could have done your research and seen prior to the story coming out that they necessarily weren't abiding by the book or trying to trying to put quality and a high quality product as the, a foundation of what they do. And for me, it's hard for me not to do that with any brand that I associate myself with. Like, I, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I could never like work for McDonald's. Uh, you know, I, no. I'd be like, "Hey guys, we gotta, we gotta get the burger quality up in here." You know, like, how are we gonna do this? How are we? Gonna- you and I are definitely gonna agree on that. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't was- touched a piece of fast yeah. food. <laughs> Uh, I think we were forced to a couple times while traveling from fire to fire in yeah. for, like in the middle of exactly, nowhere in the yeah. Midwest. I was like, like, well, that's yeah. right by the gas station. You, you need to eat some eat that. And yeah. I was like, oh God. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, the, the point is, is I I don't understand that model personally, and I, I have really not much interest in the model that doesn't put quality as kind of a a key component of what we're trying to do. It's like, you know, like I talked about self improvement. I think your, your, the quality of your product should be the best it can be. And you should constantly be looking for ways to improve that. Um, and, and, and with the, the hemp industry in general, there's quite a bit of money. There's more money than a lot of industries oh, yeah. um, that is being dumped into it to try to do that. It's just hard to see on the surface, especially with all the negative stigmas around the plant. And, you know, you're talking about a hundred years of marketing, advertising, a, a negative concept around, hemp and cannabis in general that we're trying to overcome along with. Oh, we could dive into that on a whole other show because a lot of that was politically influenced and yada, yada, yada. And I don't talk about politics or religion on this show, so we won't. But as a marketing (laughs) professional, I align with you and I agree with you because I never understood a lot of this stuff. And then after fire, I moved from Arizona to Colorado. Well, hello, you want to get surrounded by if you live in California or Colorado, those those were the two like big foundational states to finally yeah. take these steps. And then, you know, some of the guys I fought fire with were, you know, former military. And then you start learning from these guys like, hey, dude, they're not in it for the THC per se. You know, some of these guys yeah. are just looking for an anti-inflammatory benefit, especially like we were, dude, I would go, now granted, I fixed a lot of this dietarily, but I was 31 camping under the stars and my knees are throbbing and I'm trying to go to sleep, you know, so yeah. I can fight another fire line the next day. Now, granted, I fixed a lot of that nutritionally. I don't have throbbing knees anymore. And I'm now f- 
could be 47 next month and I was 31 then. So there's a lot of things you could fix, but what we're putting into our bodies can trigger inflammatory responses. So if you're buying a low quality product and you have no idea what's in that, and you think you're taking, let's say a CBD oil for a beneficial response, and you could be actually triggering a negative response. Yeah, exactly. You're triggering some allergic reaction. Yeah. So you just and, made somebody a lot of money by buying yeah. something you think you're going to fix or help a condition you're fighting. Yeah. And all you did was make it worse. Yeah. Well, and that's then, not going to help. And then and the worst part is people like myself have to deal with the consequence of trying to now educate you on why that maybe maybe was your experience with cbd and why you know the hemp plant itself may not be the blame that you're looking to 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 kind of put it on mm. and one of the things that i you know I, I try to do and the brand is not where i want it to be uh by a long shot right now but one of the things we're developing right now is just it it's more of a natural lifestyle product so we started with a lot of the hemp stuff but you'll see mm. over the next few months we'll have quite a few more kind of lifestyle products that come out. And so it, the concept is not necessarily just circled around hemp, but it's trying to find natural solutions for things. So if we can have a product that we use on a regular basis and there's a natural, there's a natural solution, why not have that solution over another? And I think I'm trying to identify as many gaps as I can in people's natural lifestyles and, and try to provide products for that. And I think that's the, the ultimate vision of where I see it going. I think that's smart. Well, obviously the brand, right? Life grows green. Yeah. You're not saying it's going to be always hemp forever or CBD, you know, forever, right? It's just that's yeah. right now, it's a smart move. It's an established market now. There has been enough proven case studies to prove this stuff. You don't have to be a quote weed head, you know, or a quote yeah. stoner. It's like we're talking about a legal product that has none of those elements in it. And we have it. I mean, we have, we have, there's, I can't tell you how many. God, major influencers in former military space, former special forces. I'm a big fan of that world, right? And it's like, okay, great. Look at these guys. They're coming out saying, hey, this has helped uh, injured yeah. military, you, uh, amputees. Like, that's just on the extreme side of the fence. So why yeah. couldn't we help the regular everyday person who may not have served uh, protecting this country, people that might be living with chronic inflammatory conditions? Yeah. Why not? But that's a great foundation to build off of. Yeah, I mean, one of the things when I was with Kettlebell Kings, you know, I tr we tried to look at the kettlebell as the centerpiece of a health and wellness lifestyle. So, you know, just having that as a center and then building everything else around it, um, not really as, you know, use kettlebells and kettlebells only, but this is something that has a foundation for not just the brand, but also for advice on, you know, whether there's diets, whether that's um, the types of workout routines for, you know, kettlebell sport users versus someone who just wants functional fitness. Um, but the one thing we never really got into was kind of product recommendation and how bad some of the things are that you put into your body. So supplements, I think is one of those things that oh, yeah. you don't necessarily realize is, you know, you're taking scoops of this and scoops of that. And you think that that isn't that concoction that you're making is actually helpful, but if it's not a natural solution, especially, you know, you, you don't really know what you're necessarily putting into your body and, I think it's triggering a lot of things that people might, might not necessarily understand. I learned a lot on that subject. I had a former client. He purposely set out, he's a huge influencer in the health and fitness space, and he personally set out for his own personal needs to figure out a way to create a supplementation for just basic vitamins, but yeah. that were pure and clean because yeah. he taught me all about flow agents. I'm like, what? He goes, flow agents. He's <laughs> like, a lot, a lot of vitamins and supplements are made in stainless steel equipment in these large yeah. you know, companies that you can outsource to to bring the cost down per unit. But to make the stuff flow through the, the lines before it ends up in that little capsule, they have yeah. to add 
something called a flow agent. I'm like, what, yeah. well, what's an example of flow agent? He's like, basically cellulose, AKA ground, <laughs> ground up sawdust. And yeah. then he showed me the science that you grind up saw, sawdust fine enough to be that flow agent that is small enough to pass through the cell membrane. He's yeah. like, so you could be literally trying to take a vitamin that's good for you, but because of that one little flow agent they added in to speed up manufacturing, you could be ha yeah. causing other problems. And most exactly. vitamins nowadays have that. I was most blown away. Yeah, yeah most like, of them. Wow. <laughs> Anti-caking material, you, like you, you, you name it. And, and all of that is, like I say, it's not really, it's not a well-known thing. And when I try to think of how do we make natural products, that that's what I'm trying to source. I'm trying to source products that don't have anything in it. So, no. you know, I talk about those exact things in my book somewhat where it, it amazes me that I, you have to try to identify which products in our food chain actually have them versus the other way around that we just kind of have accepted that, you know, sawdust or low quality scraps from the, uh, you know, from a, a meat factory or, um, even from a vegetable factory where they basically just dry out any protein and whatever they can scoop up and dry out, that now becomes a, a filler, if you will, for a lot of things. And with a, with a natural lifestyle, I think you're trying to avoid those types of processes and those types of products as much as possible. And I want Life Grows Green to be a brand that, that kind of stands for that and that people can know this is, this is something that we're a quality control process has put been put in place. And if I want to try to figure out what that is, I can find out. It's not something that it's going to be a secret or something that uh, companies don't want me to know about what, I, what I'm ingesting. Well, I love the commitment. I mean, because I've, I just got done screen sharing for, again, the listeners, if you want to watch more of this, go watch on YouTube. We always air all of our shows on YouTube as well. Uh, but also for the listeners who use livethefuel.com, there is an Amazon banner linked on there. And for the longtime listeners, you know that that always goes right to my recommended books uh, list because I am a Amazon quote influencer, whatever they want to call it. So I'll, I'll, be adding your, I'll be adding your book to the lineup of other authors that have been on the show. Awesome. And because I love this commitment, because I am that guy over years is like, wait, just pay a little bit more just to get a yeah. little bit more quality. And just don't be also afraid to dig a little bit under the layer or find people like you or find books like you that are, you know, let's peel, let's peel that layer off. Let's see what the truth is underneath that. Let's, let's push, let's turn the fan on, like blow the fog out, right? Let's actually see what's going on and then realize, okay, maybe saving that 50 cents per unit wasn't really worth it. Maybe you should yeah, just spend exactly. that 50 cents to a dollar more, especially if it's something you're putting into your body. It's, yeah, exactly. it's pretty and tragic. It, and I, and it is more difficult to do it the quote unquote right way. And, but I think that's what people should look for. So, you know, I, I'm not trying to sell people on a gimmick, you know, I'm not trying to say like, you know, you give me the money and it'll, you know, it'll go to your favorite charity. I'm, I'm literally trying to deliver the best quality product, the most natural product I can at the market price. And mm -hmm. a lot of times that will be a little above market standard, but market standard is not necessarily the best when we talk about not knowing what's in your, what's in the food and the things that you eat. You know, you, you see a new Netflix special every other month now about, how bad the, the food system is here in, here in America. Oh. And just if you think the, the overall food system is bad, then definitely the supplement system and everything that kind of trickles down that has to be processed in those ways that you were referring to earlier is going to be even worse. It's, it's pretty tragic with the quote, white labeled product industry, which is yeah. what, we're, what we've been hinting at, yeah. which my former client taught me all about. I was like, okay, wow, this is, it's very eye opening. 
And if we could leave, if I could leave one little thing towards the end of the show here, it's like, yeah, don't be afraid to dig a little bit, people. Like, read the labels, one thing, on anything you're buying out of a store. Uh, or I always tell people, stick to the Whole Foods, and you don't have, uh, not not the brand, I'm talking about the food itself. The food uh, itself, yeah. Because yeah, it's like, okay, if there's no label to read, because it's a single ingredient, <laughs> you're probably you got okay. The best chance. Yeah, you got <laughs> right? the best chance right there. Now, granted, supplementation, due to the low nutrient value of our foods today, yes, supplementation is needed sometimes, you know, because you got to make up what you're missing. Uh, but listen, we're coming to the end of the show. I- I've loved your messaging today. I'm so glad we got connected. I got you on. Uh, I do ask something of you as the guest co-host. <sighs> Years ago, I just said, hey, Sam, final words, leave behind in case people forget what you said. And then I could tell you're a man like me where it's like, wait a minute, we've now put enough reps in in life. We realize what is actually the legacy we're leaving behind? So I flipped that and now I ask my guest co-host like, okay, is there a legacy message you're already putting out there? Obviously preparing for battle, but is there anything else you wanna leave behind to better inspire, I think the listeners today to work on that legacy message themselves? Sure, I mean, I, I think when I, when I graduated from college and even when I first started the business, I didn't realize how many people don't necessarily have the same intensity about business or the same, same intensity about uh, kind of creating or leaving a legacy. And I know there are people out there like that now. And I think, you know, a lot of times you have doubt because maybe everyone in your circle or everyone around you is not necessarily as intense about success or a healthy lifestyle. Uh, I tell people to lean into that and, you know, to, to lead people to the, to the, to the direction, which you know, is right. Um, You know, I think all business owners, especially any type of person that's in a position of leadership needs to be kind of held more accountable to the overall well-being of what they're trying to achieve. And not just, you know, am I cutting enough corners today to, to get the bottom line? You know, I think it has to be a more conscious approach to life, especially now that we're in this digitized age. Well said, because there's way too many companies cutting the edges and trimming the, trimming the fat, so to speak, because it is all about the bottom line. And I don't feel like that has anything to do with a legacy anywhere in this world today. We all need to put a little more effort into things and work with companies and brands like yourself that actually care enough to commit to that. So for sure. well said, sir. Uh, I'll give you probably a goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chad Price. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, remember, it's chadprice.com. You got the book, Preparing for Battle on Amazon. So when this airs, it's already up online. If you can't search for that easy title on Amazon or Chad Price on Amazon, remember, just click on the Amazon banner, livethefield.com. It'll take you right to the book list, and he'll be one of the newest books right up there in front of your face. Uh, Again, if you're intrigued to follow this amazing new lifestyle brand, check out lifegrowsgreen.com as well. So remember, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. Chad helped us do that today exponentially. So thanks for tuning in. And remember, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you soon.